Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Hi, I'm Ron Barr, and this is today's edition of Ron Barr's Sports Byline USA podcast on the 8Side Network. Keenan Lowe joins us on Sports Byline. Lowe is a football coach and former D1 football player at the University of Oregon. He gained widespread media attention in May of 2019 after disarming an active school shooter and embracing him until the police arrived on November 23, 2019 at Park Rose High School in Portland. That day, he helped prevent a major tragedy. He has written about that memorable day in his life in a memoir, Hometown Victory, A Coach's Story, Fate, and Coming Home. It's about a life spent striving forward despite setbacks, one full of gratitude, community service, and hope. Keenan, first of all, I think most people know the story about that fateful day, but I get the sense you wrote the book for a deeper reason. Am I correct in that? Yeah, you are. And a lot of people have been affected by that that video that went viral back in 2019 of, of me and the young man sharing a hug after I disarmed him in that school. Um, but there's so much more that led me up to that very moment. Often people ask me, you know, why and, and, and how I was able to, to, to be that calm and, and, and show that much empathy in a moment like that where a kid has a gun in the school. But, you know, I, like I said, there's so much more that led up to that moment, and and I got an opportunity to write all about that. And I and I'm a firm believer that my my life really prepared me. My entire life prepared me for that moment. And again, I got to put it in words, and I'm really happy with how hometown victory came out. You know, it's kind of interesting when one puts a pen to paper and writes a story like this, and has a chance to reflect back on it at a later time. They realize things that they didn't realize immediately after. What was that for you? You know, it, it's uh, yeah, it was an interesting process because you, when you write a memoir and a story about your life, um, you you kind of uncover and, and revisit a lot of things that you might not have uh, remembered or you don't really think about, whether that's your childhood or your your days in high school and days in college. Um, so I just got to unpack my whole life and and I learned so many great lessons and had so many great people in my life where I got to unpack it all, I got to kind of put it on paper, and then I got to pick and choose which lessons I wanted to share with the world. Tell me about growing up and the influences in your early life. Yeah, I, I uh, came from a single mother household, so I, I have great respect for, for what my mom did. And, and even when I was younger, I, 
I didn't necessarily know exactly um, the sacrifices that she made for, for me and my older sister and my younger brother. You know, she's a single mother raising three kids. But as I've gotten older and, you know, grown into my adulthood, I've started to really understand um, the financial impact that has and some of the sacrifices she made and, and working multiple jobs, how hard that was for her. So, you know, honoring her in this book was also something I wanted to do. And, and that was a really special part of it. And then besides that, I've had great coaches. You know, I played at the University of Oregon for, for Chip Kelly during those years. And I mean, he's been such a great mentor to me and I've learned so much from him. And, and just as my life has gone on, it's always seemed like someone's always looked out for me and I've always wanted to do that for other people. What is the single thing your mother told you about uh, how to handle life challenges? Well, she always instilled in me to just be confident in myself and I didn't need to be anybody else except me and that I was good enough. And as a single mother, um, you know, telling your, your son that I think it's huge because when, because a son looks up to his father so much and, and when, when a, when a son doesn't have his father in the home, that can affect him in a lot of different ways. And you see that a lot with young men that don't have their fathers in their homes. They, they tend to turn to the wrong things because they're out searching for certain things. And my mom just made sure she instilled in me that I was good enough and that I could be whatever I wanted to be. And that I, all I needed to be was, was just myself. And, and, uh, you know, it's worked out for me and, and the lessons she's taught me, um, you know, I've stuck with me forever and they will for a long time. You know, it's interesting. I've known Chip Kelly for a long time doing broadcasts of the University of Oregon games. And of course, when he was in San Francisco with the 49ers, tell me about the first time you met him. Yeah, he, I uh, met him when I was in high school. You know, he was recruiting me, uh, to go to the University of Oregon. Uh, he was the head coach there at the time. And so I met him in high school and, and he was a really just a confident guy, you know, and, and he, uh, he, I, I noticed from the very, from the very beginning of our relationship that, you know, he was so comfortable in, and confident in, in his self that, that he wasn't somebody that really cared about what the outside said or what he looked like or anything like that. And then I get to play for him at the University of Oregon, and then I finally got to understand how calculated he was and, and how uh, detail-oriented he was in building a team and building an offense and building a culture at the University of Oregon. And I really grow, I grew to appreciate him as a head coach. And then I got a cool, you know, years later, I got a cool uh, perspective when he hired me and I got to work for him. So I got to really be with him a little bit more in those coaching staff meetings and see him really go to work day to day out, outside of the field. So he was a great man and just a great teacher and mentor. Yeah, after leaving college, the University of Oregon, you went to work in Philadelphia as an analyst for the Eagles and then rejoined Chip when he became the head coach with the 49ers as an offensive analyst. And with the 49ers, you had a chance to know Colin Kaepernick. What is it that people don't know or understand about Colin? Yeah, during that time, that tumultuous year, I was in a really cool perspective because I obviously I worked for, for the team and Chip Kelly and, and um, was in the offensive meetings and in the team meetings day in and day out. So I got to really know Colin um, on a personal level. Um, you know, I, I, on a certain day, I would turn on the TV and, and it'd be a circus on TV and on ESPN and on CNN, um, you know, 
as they made up this, this huge story of what Colin was doing. But then in the same breath and the same day, I was able to sit down with him and ask him questions and have lunch and, and grow to have a real friendship. You know, I'm, I'm still in touch with him to this day. And, you know, I, I just, I don't think people understand how professional he actually was inside that building. He really wasn't a distraction for anyone at all. And that's what our head coach, Chip Kelly, continued to say to the media during that time. So he wasn't a distraction. He worked his butt off. I mean, the dude could play football. You know, he could really throw. He could play football. He's a natural leader. And, and there's, it, he didn't go to a Super Bowl when he was younger uh, by mistake. You know, the dude could really play football. And, and uh, I really enjoyed him just as a person and how respectful he was to everyone around him. Keenan, I always remembered uh, in talking to him uh, briefly a couple of times that he was powered by something inside, something bigger than just the obvious. What was that? You know, I think probably everything he's gone through in his life. You know, we're we're all a culmination of our life experiences. So, you know, everything he's gone through his life, you know, he's only he knows, and and he he felt like he had a platform and that he had a calling and. And, um, you know, people with, with platforms like him, you know, that's, that's very, very rare. And for people with a platform like that to use it for, for good and use it to speak out uh, for people that, that are marginalized, you know, that's, that, that's, that goes a long way. And, and I, I believe he just felt like in his heart that's what he needed to do at the time, and, and he did it. And it, it's, it's kind of funny now because the NFL has kind of changed their tone on social justice issues um but they they completely tore Kaepernick apart when he was doing it so you know he he's made waves in this and and will he ever get hired again you know I I really don't know but you know he's made a difference and and I'm proud to know him and call him a friend one of the things Keenan that I wondered about him is how he was able to maintain the focus and the commitment to what he truly did believe in uh, and I think that's very admirable. Uh, is there anything you can point to that allowed him to do that? Yeah, I'm not sure. You know, I think he was just, he was, he knew what he was doing. I, I know that. And, and he, and like you said, he, he truly believed in what he was doing. And, you know, when, when you believe in yourself, you, you tend to not, you know, really care uh, what the outside noise is saying. And, you know, he would get ripped apart for all the, you know, that whole football season and, you know, for years since then. Um, but he stayed true to himself. And, and whether you agree with him or not, I think that's uh, admirable when, when someone's able to stand up for what they believe in and they stay true to themselves. You don't always have to agree, but you can respect the person that does that. Do you remember, and we only have a minute before we have to break, but do you remember the moment? that you realize that professional football and also even college football is a business rather than a sport? I don't necessarily remember the moment, um, but I think, I mean, I guess if I were to point to one moment, I guess it's really the, the, day you, the days you step on campus as an 18-year-old at, at a big Division One school like the University of Oregon, and then you start to understand how much money and, and the, the flow of cash that's coming through there on game days and, and, and everything like that. And then you start to see the television and, and everything getting hyped up on that, you know, and you start to understand like, well, there's money everywhere around this game. So, um, you know, it's a big business NFL college football. And, uh, you know, that's the kind of difference between high school football where, and that makes high school football a little bit more pure in that sense. 
Keenan Lowe is with us. We're going to be talking in the next segment about his book, Hometown Victory, A Coach's Story, Fate, and Coming Home. It's a fascinating story. You may already know about it, but the insights from Keenan, I think you'll really enjoy. As we continue across the country and around the world, we've got you on America's sports talk show, Sports Byline. You're listening to Ron Barr's Sports Byline USA podcast. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Keenan Lowe is with us on Sports Byline. His book is called Hometown Victory, A Coach's Story, Fate, and Coming Home. And I recommend it to you. I think you'll find it insightful. I think it'll give you insights not only into football at the pro level and the college level as well, but this extraordinary young man in a very extraordinary situation. For those who may not know about the incident you encountered, Keenan, on November the 23rd, 2019 at Park Rose High School, where you were the head football coach. First, tell us about Park Rose High School. Yeah, Park Rose was a school that was uh, down on their luck, I would say. They were on a 0-23 game losing streak. So they hadn't won a game in three years. And when I took over there, um, you know, I did kind of know what I was getting myself into. Um, but there was so much I had to learn as a 26-year-old first-time head coach, coaching kids that had never won a single high school game. So it was it was quite the experience. And, and the school, you know, it had a grass field, and we had to cut the grass and line it ourselves as a coaching staff. And, and the facilities weren't great. The weight room was awful. And it was just one of those schools that was down on its luck. Um, but, you know, those kids were, were fighters at heart. They, they went through a lot. I had kids that were homeless, that went to bed hungry, um, that had anger issues. I had all types of kids there that, that just needed a little bit of mentorship, and that's all I tried to bring to them. I think another thing is you talk about the different cultures that you had to encounter with your players and everything, and that's always an interesting dynamic. Tell me more about that. Yeah, I had, I had kids that were of Asian descent and, and Polynesian and African-American and white and, and everything in between. And, and that was the cool, that's the really cool thing about Park Rose High School here in Portland, Oregon. It's, it's one of the few really, really diverse schools around. And that was also appealing to, to coach at that school and why I wanted to go there. Uh, because it was a true melting pot of, of all these ethnicities and, and cultures. And, and I love the game of football, and, and, it, and coaching at Park Rose reminded me kind of of playing at the University of Oregon, where there were guys from every walks of life. You had, you had guys from the country in the middle of America, to, from Miami, Florida, from Seattle, Washington, and Los Angeles, California, and, and all ethnicities and everyone in between. And, and, and football is a game where – you need so many people to be successful on a team and all these people 
whether it's skin color or ethnicity, it just doesn't matter. And that's why I love the game of football. One of the other things you talk about in this book is the racism that your players faced on and off the field, including having games called by racist referees. Uh, you know, you may think of Portland and, the, the you know, Oregon as being up in the Northwest, but those problems exist there too, didn't they? Yes, they definitely did. And, and you know, I was a 26-year-old head coach in that, during that time, first-time head coach, and, and one of only two African-American um, head coaches in, in high school football in this area, in the state of Oregon. And it was only two of us. So, you know, there was a lot of, uh, a lot of certain situations where, where our team would show up and the referees all looked very, very much different than us. And, uh, and the other team would look very much different from us. And, and that was just one of those things that our kids had to battle through. But the, the message that we continued to preach as, as a coaching staff and my message to them, and it's really a life lesson is that we just don't make excuses. And whether or not someone wants to treat you right or wrong, we don't make excuses. That, that shouldn't affect the way that you will go about your business. Continue to stay true to yourself is really the big life lesson there. And, and, uh, and my kids did that. They didn't make excuses. You know, sometimes they were looked down upon, and sometimes it wasn't fair. But they didn't make excuses, and they kept battling. And that's what it's all about. What was your message to them on how to handle this? I think it was exactly that, you know, it's, it's not, everyone's going to treat you fairly. And, and that's just, that's just the reality of life. And um, all you can do is is control how you treat other people, hopefully in return that they'll treat you good because you treated them well. But, but if not, all you can control is the way you treat others. And if someone wants to treat you bad or, or do something unfairly to you because of the way you look or where you're from or, or the, the school that you go to, you know, there's really not much you can do about it except keep moving forward and keep pushing forward and not let that be an excuse to lash out or, or you know, do something negative. I know you also talked about the importance of having black and brown coaches at all levels of athletics, including the NFL. We know about the lack of, of African-American or even Hispanic uh, head coaches in professional football. Uh, is there anything that can be done about that, or is it so entrenched in the NFL now, white only to some degree, uh, that that will never change? Yeah, I um, I think there is something we can do. You know, it's a it's a definitely an uphill climb, um, but this year actually, and and I don't even know if this is very public news, but I've been approached with a few opportunities, um, but I, I've learned that this year. They're, they're starting to require every NFL team to have a minority um, assistant quarterback coach because that's really the position that gets promoted to offensive coordinators that ultimately gets promoted to being head coaches. So there's not a lot of African-American quarterback coaches if you really look at the scheme, the grand scheme of football in college and in the NFL. So I think the NFL, they're trying to get assistant quarterback coaches that are African-American or minorities so they can continue to push those people and, and those, those people in those positions in order for them to be offensive coordinators one day. So therefore they can end up as head coaches. So the NFL, they're, they're making strides that they're small steps, but they're, they're moving forward and they're making that uphill climb because they recognize that it is a problem. We only have about four minutes left. So let's talk about November 23rd, 2019. Yeah, it was, um, you know, it was a, a very surreal day. 
I, um, you know, I was called down to a classroom just to go to go get a student and bring him to the office, uh, to the front office. And it was a call that a security guard would get, you know, um, 20 to 30 times a day. And it was it was always something simple. It's simple as just delivering a note or, or something like that. So I get a call to go get, grab a student from a classroom and bring him to the office. So I go to that classroom. And again, I'm not high, on high guard or anything. I think it's just a, a casual security call. And uh, I go into that classroom, and, and the kid's not there. And then about 20 seconds later, I, I turn to the door, and the door pops open, and there's a young man standing there in the doorway uh, with a black trench coat and, and a shotgun. And in that moment, things seemed to go in super slow motion. And I was able to look at his eyes, and he was, he was swelled up, and, and he was crying. And, and I could tell it was a young man that was, that was crying out for help and that was clearly suffering uh, right in the middle of a mental health crisis. So as soon as I saw that gun come out, I lunged forward and got both hands on my gun and, and on the gun and, and started to have a bit of a wrestling match. And I ended up pulling the gun away from him. And that's when you see us kind of spill into the hallway where that viral video um, picks up from. And once I was able to get the gun away and hand it off to a teacher, you know, I embraced the kid because I knew he was just a kid crying out for help. I didn't see an evil an evil kid there. I, I just saw a child that, that needed somebody. And, and thankfully I was there to take that gun away from him and stop him from whatever decision he was going to make and, and give him a hug. And ultimately I told him that I cared about him and that I was there to save his life. How much of what you did was a natural instinct in you and how much of it was the discipline that you had learned through playing uh, sports at a high level? I think sports had a lot to do with it just playing sports at a high level. It's, it's, uh, you know, at the University of Oregon, we were taught to just never flinch. And that was a big Chip Kelly thing. It was just never flinch. Always be ready. Always be ready for your opportunity. So I think that, you know, the years of playing under Chip Kelly and, and coaching football and being involved in the sport, it's, uh, you know, I, I always felt prepared for, for everything that, that was thrown at me, um, even if I didn't think I would be ready, you know. And um, so I didn't flinch. And in that moment, my instincts took over. And with all the love that I've gotten throughout my life, I think it all poured out into that kid where I knew, um, you know, love and good words and kindness goes a really, really long way. And, and ultimately, after I was able to take that gun away from him, I knew he needed some kindness and some good in his life in that very, very moment. So I gave it to him, and, and ultimately it ended up saving his life. We only have one minute left, and I mean, I'm wondering what came out of this for you that carries on forward for you each day. A lot, a lot has has come out from this. Uh, you know, I think I think the biggest thing is is just trusting myself and and the the judgments I I've made throughout my life and and the direction I want to take my life. It's, it's just trusting myself that I'm going to continue to to make the the right decisions and and trusting my instincts. You know, a lot of people, they, you know, they wonder what they would do in a situation of crisis like that. They really wonder, you know, if they would run or if they would do something, if they would try to save somebody or if they would try to save themselves, if they were hot, if they would hide or not. And ultimately, I was faced with that decision and, and I actually got to find out what I would do because my instincts took over and, and I'm very proud of myself. And I think that's the biggest, the biggest thing I take away from this is, is that I'm proud of myself and, and proud of the instincts of, of being there for, for someone in need. Well, you should be Keenan. 
Thank you for sharing the story. You're welcome here anytime. Take care, my friend. Thank you very much. I appreciate your time. Again, Keenan Lowe, I urge you to check out this book because we're going to make it a selection a month on the Sports Byline USA Book Corner. It's called Hometown Victory, A Coach's Story, Fate, and Coming Home. We continue with more of you and America's sports talk show, Sports Byline. You have been listening to Ron Barr's Sports Byline USA podcast on the 8Side Network. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card... Right this way. It's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.